the heaven of the fixed stars, Cantos 23 to 26. From Canto 23 until the completion of Dante's great epic poem, there is to be no let-up for the reader. These of all the cantos must have been written as suggested by Boccaccio's anecdote which we referred to um, in the last lecture where one supreme elan of poetic genius shortly before the poet's death at 56 years of age. Here in the heaven where the commandment is Thou shalt not make to thyself any graven image. The poet uses throughout his discourse the fundamental symbol of light, the light that permeates the whole of the paradiso and indeed the whole of the creation. We now find ourselves in the heaven by which the fixed and eternal archetypes are channeled through that light, those truths that by the Spirit's grace upon grace are constantly revealing themselves, pruning us and bringing us ever closer to the mystery of the Holy Trinity's relationship of love. This is the heaven of epictasis, of growth from glory to glory, the journey that is as infinite as the Lord God himself is infinite. If in the heaven of Saturn we found that the name of our Saviour was remembered in the heart, here in this heaven the mystery of remembrance is found unfolding deep within the heart, for we are being ever drawn into the mysteries of the Mother of God, and the church triumphant. Thus it could be said that th this heaven is the mother of all that is true, good and beautiful. If we turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2, we read that it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. In other words, it is folly to investigate that which is hidden from us, from the arrogant pursuit for knowledge as represented by Ulysses in the Inferno, to Dante having to accept that he will never understand the mystery of predestination in his lifetime. For the pilgrim it is, it is enough to know that the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 6 verse 3 and simply to get on with the job at hand, that is, the search through the opening of the heart for the sanctifying grace of the Holy Spirit. As Dante was told at the very beginning of his spiritual journey in the Vita Nuova, do not ask for more than is useful to you. This is the golden rule when on the way of the pilgrim. Enough is our daily bread, and one step at a time. Oh yes, we are judged, 
but at the same time we are cared for. And it is only when we lift up the whole of our life to God that this heaven of the fixed stars becomes meaningful. For here we enter into the cloud of glory. Canto 23 Lines 1 to 9 Describe the mother bird's toil to find food once the dark the night has been dispelled by the break of day. It is a powerful sequence of verse, for our immature thoughts and aspirations are like the chicks that the mother must care for and feed. The mother bird for Dante is Beatrice, wisdom, who fixes her gaze in the direction of the zenith. The heavens are then lit with even a greater light. We read, Behold the hosts of Christ's triumph and the fruit garnered from the circling of these spheres. 23, 19 to 21. Dorothy Sayers writes with her usual insight, By a rich and lovely image, the redeemed of the old and new covenants are called the fruits of the circling spheres. This extends our understanding of the stellar sphere and indeed of the, all the planetary heavens, since all eight circles, operating as the instruments of God, influence men's souls by the vital powers which are diffused through the stars and planets. One sun the transfiguring light of Christ himself kindles all and for a split second is known by Dante. Here it is good to recall the opening verse of the evening vesper hymn as the lights are lit. O gladsome radiance of the holy glory of the Father immortal, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ. Dante's sight is dazzled. However, his sight has now been strengthened, enabling him to behold Beatrice's smile. This signifies that he has matured in spirit, permitting him to apprehend our redemption, our redemption through Christ our Lord. Apri gli occhi e guarda qual son io tu hai vedute cose che possente se fatto sostener lo riso mio 23.46-48 Lift up thine eyes and look on me a while see what I am thou hast beheld such things as make thee mighty to endure my smile the sacred beauty of her smile excelled all the arts of poetry and music. This heaven demands a leap towards forwards to enable the poet's little bark of intellect to sail onwards. Our intellect, the noose, 
must be, as it were, refined and purged of all dross. For we too, as readers, must be attentive to the text and seek understanding and insight into holy things. We have entered a new octave, and all matters, that is, from our limited grasp of the intellect, are now more intense, incisive. Beatrice, wisdom, tells her lover to tear himself away from her smile and now to behold the bel giardino, the fair garden, flowering beneath the rays of the light of the transfigured Christ. Here is the rose, Mary the mother of God, by which the Logos himself became flesh for our salvation. Likewise, there are fragrant lilies, the apostles and saints, who have encouraged us to embrace Christ. The supreme effort of our intellect, we are encouraged to behold the heavenly hosts of sheer splendour glowing in the ardent transfiguring light. O benigno virtu, che si l'imprenti sutel esaltasti per lacrimi loco agli occhi li che non eron possenti. O power benign, whose seal on them doth lie so clearly, thou, to enlarge my vision, did raise thyself aloft sparing these eyes thereby. Lines 85 to 87. The intensity of our Lord's presence withdraws to enable Dante to concentrate on the mystical rose. He discovered that depicted on his eyes, that is, as passing through an icon to the reality depicted for the experience was no psychic delusion, is the Virgin Mary, St. Gabriel, and the deep mystery of the Incarnation. He says it was like the fulfilment of his praying morning and night, the Angelus, the wonderful prayer which in the Western tradition commemorates three times a day the Incarnation, at sunrise, midday, and at evening tide. From an earth, earthly perspective, we may think of Simone Martini's The Annunciation in the Uffizi, Florence, and moving through the painting to the reality depicted. Surely the names of Jesus and Mary verberated at this point in the poet's heart. Angelic love, that is the seraphim, ever circles around the Lady of Heaven. The vision has come from the Empyrean and returns there. Dante has beheld the mystery of the royal mantle or the protecting veil in the icons of the Orthodox Church, of the primum mobile that encircles all the revolving spheres, 
holding them, as it were, together, enabling them to interrelate and flow in the divine love. Dante hears and no doubt prays the Regina Cayley. Rejoice, O Queen of Heaven, Alleluia, for he whom thou deservest to bear, Alleluia, hath risen, as he said, Alleluia. Pray to God for us, Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, Alleluia. The Lord hath truly risen, Alleluia. The reader is left with the victory of the resurrection and the trampling down of death by death and the bestowing of life. Cantos 24, 25 and 26 Over the next three cantos, Dante is questioned as to the orthodoxy of his faith. This may come as a shock to the modern reader, but right belief is of paramount importance. For Dante, there are three essential qualifications enabling the soul to attain and to participate in the beatific vision. And these thrill, three dispel at a stroke any tendency towards idolatry. For participation in the glory can never, but never be made into an idol. As a master of affirmations, Dante knew this well and was aware of the way of the world which always wishes to grasp for its own. What are the virtues that direct the soul to God? Certainly, they not, may not be attained by acts, though the participation of our will is clearly essential. It is grace alone working through revelation that can open the eyes of the heart in this sense. And the three principles necessary to the life of the soul are faith, hope and love. First, let us establish what is meant here by faith before going on to consider Dante's text. The Dante, for the Christian, for Dante, the Christian does not believe in the God of philosophers, though he may well, that is the God of philosophers, help us at a stage on our pilgrimage. The, Christians believe, the Christian believes, as did his forefather Abraham, in the living God, the God of the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles and the saints. This is the God who encounters and meets men and women, who addresses them and calls them into relationship and who reveals himself to them. There is much confusion in the modern world relating to the Nicene Creed. It is not, for example, a legal document. It is not a to propositions in an inquisitorial sense. The fathers of the church were quite clear about this when they termed the creed 
symbols of faith. In Greek, the word symbol means drawing together, uniting in a correct focus. The creed is thus a statement of the correct relationship of the Christian to his God. Symbolon draws us to the focal point of our faith, the mystery of the Trinity and our salvation. Diabolon is the opposite, the blowing apart, the fragmenting, causing disunity. And this is the role of the evil one. In relationships, there is always involved a right or a wrong intent. There has to be a yea or a nay if we are to be honest with each other. The tragedy of most human relationships is that they are but games of masks, role-playing, a pretense in some way or another, a comedia. Even in human love, there has to be a symbolon of faith between each other drawing together in honesty of intent. In this sense, the I and the thou of true lovers have a creed, a belief, a meeting place. Otherwise, the relationship will not last, for it has only been a game. Masks are idols. They imply that the wearer of the mask has no real life. His or her life is according to the mask. For furthermore, he or she wearing a mask expects whoever they are talking to will also be wearing a mask. The mystery religions use masks in their ceremonies and rites. Christians never do. And so Dante may only proceed with his vision, providing he is of right intent and not under the vain illusion that he may progress by knowledge and understanding and knowledge, a sort of theosophy or game of intellect. Of course, he needed the full activity of his mind, together with all his wits, in order to proceed along his journey. For Dante, there are two levels of happiness which challenge us and which we are intended to achieve because we are created in the image and likeness of God. The first is the full exercising of the gifts and powers life has given us. And this is typified in the Commedia by the earthly paradise. The second is nothing less than the enjoyment of the divine countenance. That quotation comes from Demonachia, Book 3, um, Paragraph 16. And we cannot attain this this enjoyment of the divine countenance, except through divine grace. Clearly, these two sorts of happiness are reached by diverse means. 
the first through philosophical teaching, that is, through the love of wisdom, in the sense of the classical philosophers, and being faithful to it through the practice of our moral uh, and intellectual virtues, our moral prudence, temperance, fortitude and justice, our intellectual virtues, science, wisdom and art. The sex, second is arrived at through sp spiritual teaching and the practice of prayer and contemplation through the exercise of faith, hope and love. In this, the Holy Spirit is our teacher who has revealed the supernatural truth necessary for our salvation by means of the prophets and sacred writers and through the Son of God, who is co-equal with the Spirit, Jesus Christ, and through his disciples. In Canto 24, he is examined to see if he has a right belief. The cloud of glory, the Shekinah, and the fact that he is standing on the threshold of the glory is emphasized that he, by another fact, and that he is interviewed by the three apostles present at the Transfiguration. So the doctrine of the Transfiguration is imbued into these cantos. The three apostles were, of course, Peter. James and John. These three saints, as we have noted before, meant so much to the poet that he named his two sons Pietro and Jacopo and would no doubt have called a third son Giovanni. So Canto 24, St. Peter, Faith. Canto opens with nine verses of great beauty spoken by Beatrice. Blessed are they who are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lamb who takes away the sins of the world and who is the bread of life and who sat satisfies all our desires. Paradise for Dante is not a sort of nirvana like a raindrop falling into the ocean and the ocean becoming the raindrop. It is epictasis, a journey evermore into the Holy Trinity's mystery of love. Desire does not cease. It is fulfilled, calling us ever into ever-growing relationship in love towards the Trinity and towards each other. Our poet is emphatic. In this life, we are called to seek truth, that of the earthly paradise and of the beatific vision. To miss this vocation is to miss the whole purpose of life. We are, though, like paupers who gather up the crumbs that fall from the heavenly banquet of the wise and the saints. In the first chapter of the Convivio, 
which conveniently means banquet, Dante writes with his usual poetic perceptiveness. And I, therefore, who sit not at the blessed table, but having fled the pasture of the common herd, gather at the feet of them who sit at meat, of that which falls from them, and who, by reason of the sweetness which I experience in that which little by little I gather, recognize the wretched life of those who I have left behind me. Dante is now about to begin having his deep desire bedewed, roratello, by those who drink eternally from the fountain of heavenly wisdom. However, the deep mystery for us, still caught in the veils of mortality, is that the celebration of the Eucharist, that in the celebration of the Eucharist, we participate in the body and blood of Christ to become very members incorporate in the mystical body, to quote the prayer book. Hence, the orthodox custom of reverencing all presence at the communion, for they together with our souls are one in the mystery of the body. The soul of St. Peter approaches Dante and questions him on the nature of faith as if he were having an interview for his degree. Dante is perhaps suggesting here that our true and abiding doctorate is certainly not that of universities, but concerned with the orthodoxy of our faith. He is undergoing his entrance examination and the thought of being interviewed by Peter, James and John somewhat shatters the minds of us less, lesser mortals. Dante rests his definition of faith on the epistle to the Hebrews, um, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the foundation upon which hope rests, and likewise so it is with all relationships of love. Such mysteries are hidden from human sight and cannot be grasped at by our senses. Our ratio cannot argue or deduce the substance of this great mystery of meeting, for the act of relating to the beloved is through the leap of faith by which hope and love free their flowing energies. Here we think of Dante's first meeting with Beatrice as well as our own encounter with the Beloved. That first moment was a foretaste of the great meeting. We were not tricked or deluded. The Lord God meets us at the stage we are at. He empties himself to our level of consciousness and meets us as we are.
Dante clearly states that in all matters true, he has been taught by the grace of the Holy Spirit. He desired and made the effort. The Holy Spirit did the rest. The virtue and gift of faith is a miracle, for who are we to deserve it? Thus our faith is a miracle, something given simply because at some time in our lives we asked, who is God? God may have hidden himself in a nine-year-old girl, a flower garden, a being, a thing of beauty. The Lord takes us up just where we are. He expects no more of us than to be honest even if at the time we are hopelessly confused. The poet receives no diploma for his responses, but hears rather the singing of the Te Deum, after which he pours out his creed to St Peter. Now, rereading my notes, it's interesting that Dante, as it were, paraphrases the creed, if we put ourselves in um, Dante's situation and we sort of just rattle off the Nicene Creed, we miss the point. You've got to somehow verbalise it in your own words, the very depth of your heart and consciousness. And these are the words in translation of Dante. They're lines 124 to 154. I believe in one God the soul and eternal, who unmoved moves all the heavens with love and with desire. And for this belief, I have not only proofs physical and metaphysical, but it has given me also in truth that reigns down hence through Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, through the gospel, and through you, that is St. Peter, when the fiery spirit had made you holy. That is the Holy Spirit. I believe in three persons, and these I believe to be one essence, so one and so threefold, as to comport at once with are and is, with the profound divine state where I now speak. The evangelical doctrine many times sets the seal upon my mind. This is the beginning, this is the spark which dilates to a living flame like a star in heaven shines within me. Canto 25, St. James, Hope Dante has changed. He is no longer a poet of long love songs playing the conceits of the Fedeli d'Amore but the poet of a great and sublime work. He is no longer young, but reaching the climax of his earthly years, though only in his fifties he is grey-haired, but still with the hope that one day he would be able to return to Florence and be acknowledged as a poet to be crowned with a wreath of laurels. 
the soul of um, St. James joins that of St. Peter, Beatrice and Dante. The saints greet each other. They are like princes in heaven. And in the light of their presence, he, that is Dante, must mature like a fruit on a tree. And he is called upon by St. James to explain what hope is. Dante hoped for a better world in the face of all the wretchedness he observed about him. On a personal level, he hoped to return home. He hoped for the good estate of church and empire. He hoped for a leader who would encourage regeneration. He hoped in the face of disappointment after disappointment. He hoped that all his work was not for nothing, but that in time it would help others to hope. Hope is a sure expectation of future glory produced by divine grace and from preceding merits that are a necessary condition of our assurance of salvation. This Dante's definition is taken from Peter Lombard's Libri Sententiarum, a collection of sayings of the fathers. He learnt the nature of hope from his readings of the Psalms and from St. James's epistle, which stresses patience in the time of trial. For, this is James 1, lines 5 and 6, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth, wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Such knowledge, through grace, brims up in the heart like overflowing water. Hope is infectious. It flows from our Lord to us and then to others. We hope despite the injustices of the world, for Christ is with us and will come again. We hope to be admitted into his kingdom, for they who know his name will put their trust in God. The Lord God calls us to be his friends, and this is the message of both Testaments. A great multitude from all nations will be clothed in white robes with palms in their hands and will stand before the throne of the Lamb. Um, that's um, Revelation 7, 9. Therefore, the substance of Dante's hope is in the immortality of the soul and the resurrection to immortality of the body. As Dante contemplates St. John's apocalyptic vision, 
granted in the cave on the Isle of Patmos, a brilliant light approaches the souls of St. Peter and St. James. The light dances and sings with the other two souls, wheeling about Dante. Beatrice explains that the brilliant light is the soul of St. John. Beatrice stands erect and, like a bride, fixes her eyes on the three dancing lights. And she here represents the true church, which ever beholds the light of the three great virtues, and like the worldly church, known to Dante, lost in avarice and political intrigue. John, the apostle who rested his head on the Lord's breast at the Last Supper, and who was commissioned by his Lord to look after the Mother of God after the crucifixion, writes as no other in his Gospel and letters concerning the mystery of love. John signifies, whilst he is being beheld by Beatrice, the eternal marriage of devoted love which draws itself to itself faith and hope in wholeness. Faith and hope on their own cling to God for something to be gained, be it truth or happiness. But love has no end but God himself. Thus, all the virtues should have but one focal point, the bridegroom himself. As Dante peers at the brilliance, so does he become sightless. He turns to behold Beatrice. Dante suddenly recognises that he is blind. He has been blinded by the brightness of love. Maybe he is also paying for his curiosity in trying to see St. John physically instead of beholding the depths of love. He had looked intently at the presence of the saint in order to see whether he had ascended with his body to heaven as recorded in a medieval legend. St John is explicit, only our resurrected Lord and the Mother of God, she who is more honourable than the seraphim and more glorious beyond compare than the cherubim, are in heaven with their bodies. Surely Dante is also here teaching that superstitious curiosity can blind us to truth. Superstitious curiosity lands us in the realm of the psychic with all its traps deluding the self. Canto 26, St. John, Love. The soul of St. John has already appeared in the previous canto. His role here, there, sorry, firstly was to draw faith and hope through love into a complete expression of dedicated love to our Lord. Secondly, his presence singled out the nature of the true church. 
tradition has at times spoken of the church and St. Peter and the church and St. John, the church of Peter and the church of John. What does this signify? Perhaps the symbol of a circle within a circle may help. The outer circle represents Peter's church, the inner and therefore smaller circle being that of John. Many adhere to the church faith, and that is good, but fewer journey on to the inner mysteries of love, which may be said to be veiled in the fact that it was John who was given Mary as her new son. He was given to Mary as her new son. He took her home and cared lovingly for her. Dante is intimating that he had in these last heavens and concluding cantos to move on from faith and hope to the depths of love and this required something to an examination of his beliefs. The true ground of his dedication to our Lord through his love for Beatrice. There is a mystery here. For may, men need to take their own particular epiphany of Beatrice home, to the cave of their hearts. Only thus will they truly grow, mature in love. Beatrice is simply not an intellectual plaything of the mind. Again, in relation to St. John the Seer, Dante is teaching that such love as taught by St. John is essential if the beatific vision is to be granted. The visionary climax of the Book of Revelation clearly had a profound influence over the poet. Just a footnote there, do note that for Dante, the Gospel, the Epistles, and the book of Revelation are all written by the one and same St. John. This is the ancient tradition, as still accepted in the Orthodox Church, whereas modern oh, literary criticism has tended to um, say there are two Johns. Well, even if the book of, Re even if the book of Revelation is not written by... Well, in the icon, it's John is is dictating his vision to his um, follower. So even in the icon, John is not physically writing down um, his vision. It is being transcribed by his follower, whose name eludes me for a moment, which indicates that if there is a difference of style, as there is between the, the, the gospel, the letters, and the book of the Revelation, even the, the icon seems to clarify that by saying, yes, it is John's vision, but it was written down by somebody else. St. John does not require from the pilgrim soul a statement of faith or what is understood by the virtue of hope. 
For love is beyond the intellect. Dantes asks quite simply, to what thy soul clings fast? That's 26 verses 6 and 7. Love requires our will, the honesty of our commitment. Where does our soul centre itself? Where our heart is, there will be our treasure. No intellectual definition can be given. Love has to be lived in dialogue with the beloved. The beloved disciple informs Dante that he is not blind but dazzled for he has beheld the glory of the Lord. And it is interesting here to note that Botticelli, when illustrating the Commedia, under this, understood this point well. For the relative drawings show the poet with Beatrice beside him looking past the bright lights of the, soul, of the souls towards the focal point of the stars within, within which is the suggestion of an icon-like icon face. Christ himself. Dan Beatrice, he is told, has the power to heal him, just as Anias healed St. Paul after his loss of sight when he beheld the vision of Christ on the road to Damascus, Acts 10, 17 and 18. Dante yearns Dante yearns for his eyes to be opened, for through them Beatrice's beauty had originally entered his soul. Note that here the examination he is undergoing is related to the unlocking of the deepest recesses of his heart. Dante has been blinded by the light of Christ shining through St. John. This, of course, is the mystery of the transfiguration, shining through the elect. How many have equally been temporally blinded by John's Gospel or his epistles or the book of Revelation? book of Revelation radiating the light of Christ I know when in my teens it was reading um, St. John's Gospel that completely um, swamped me and um, was the beginning I suppose of, of my metanoia my turning the ground of the poet's life is as follows God is the beginning and end of love. God is the entire alphabet from Alpha to Omega of all Holy Scripture that reads to us now loudly and now softly. Loudly when revelation and philosophy combined in strength. Softly with the secondary courses of love.
The Lord God is the one and only object of love. He is love for his own sake and not for any benefits gained thereby. St. John encourages Dante to strain through a closer wrought sieve and say who directed the bow of his intellect, the noose, to such a mark. His answer elaborates his argument. True philosophy indicates and is confirmed by revelation. This is the same teaching as you, you can find in the um, Anglican um, Cambridge Platonists. To know this is the way of certainty, the light of human reason and the penetrating light of revelation's authority unite and make our consciousness whole and vital. La conoscenza viva, uh, 2661. True philosophy shows us that it is based on the first principle of the universe. And this implies that all things seek the good for which they were created. Through seeking, his love imprints itself on us as the good kindles love within us to the proportion with which it is understood. Such truth demonstrates the first love of all eternal substances, for the good found in this life is but a ray of the eternal radiance. We are brought back to Dante's belief that it is our duty to seek the good of the earthly paradise and at the same time to come to know our true home and end in God. John Carroll perceptively notes that the two biblical references given by Dante to support his thought are profound when considered together. The first is from Exodus 33:19. The Lord God there says to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Goodness is here worth, beauty, implying the glory, the Shekinah. But Moses will not see the face of the Lord, because there shall no man see me and live. The patriarch will only be permitted to see the back parts of the Lord. The other reference is to St. John's writings as a whole. Uh, Carroll says here, Dante is thinking of them as one proclamation of the secret of heaven and earth. The other reference is to St. John's writings as a whole, with the prologue to the Gospel implied in particular, in which the deep mystery of the Incarnation is celebrated with memorable words that haunt the mind and imprint themselves on the soul. In the light of the above quotation from Exodus, Dante must have had the following lines in mind. 
For the law was given by Moses, but the grace but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father. He, that is John the Baptist in this case, hath declared him. Moses saw the back of God, whereas our Lord, through his incarnation, revealed the secret of knowing the Lord God. Dante, in an outpouring of verses, concludes that the living consciousness won him back from the world's distorted loves to the deep meaning of God who so loved the world. The mysteries of the creation, Adam and Eve, the fall, the cross, and the hope of glory are truly the teeth biting into his heart, drawing him onto the act, onto the act and dialogue of love. God, the principle of love, teaches that all things must be loved in relation to him and in proportion to the good they hold of him. St Thomas Aquinas wrote, Diversity in the love of charity must consist, as far as species go, in loving different neighbours differently according to the several ways in which they stand to God. Dante is at last silent, and the threefold sanctus resounds throughout the heavens. This cosmologically brings us back to the vision of the throne in Revelation 4, and the here and now of the liturgy celebrated at altars throughout the world. Also, it should be added, we should pay great attention to the great Trisagion prayers of the Orthodox Church. And to say these means to take our stand before the living God, along with Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, St. John, Dante, and the whole company of the blessed on earth and in heaven. Um, a Jewish mystic said that to say the thricefold holy, sanctus, 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 demands everything of our consciousness in prayer. And I could say that to say the trisagion prayers is of the same. And only the saints, I think, ever get close to saying them saying holy, 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 completely and totally with their whole consciousness. Beatrice now restores Dante's sight to behold a fourth light approaching. It is that of Adam, in whom is the whole history of the creation, the fall and redemption. Adam, our first ancestor, father, father-in-law of every bride. Lines 92 and 93. 
He represents redeemed humanity in whom Beatrice, Peter, James, John and Dante, indeed all of us, participate. Through having been successful in his answers, the poet recognises the deep significance of himself being redeemed and called to be a son by adoption. There is a warning given by Adam that is most appropriate to modern man. Lines 127 to 138. No work of reason lasts beyond its hour. For usage of fate wills doth ever seek to recreate according to its powers. And note also that at the end of this great canto, Dante distinguishes between the two great names of God, Yah, the highest name, and El, the title by which God is known on earth. Yah is the initial letter of the sacred name, as in the Old Testament, and survives in our Alleluias. El is the God who creates and is translated in our Bible simply as God, whereas Yah, Jehovah, is translated as the Lord God. <laughs>